All right, we're going to read Psalm 146. We'll read from verse 1 to, um, to 10, and that should be the end. Yes. All right, Psalm 146. Uh, let's take it together, everybody. We are taking it as a declaration. We are, we are actually worshiping the Lord with it. So let's take it with reverence. Let's take it with uh, faith. And I want us to declare loudly, everybody. One, two, let's go. Praise, praise the Lord. Praise, praise the Lord, O oh my soul. I will praise the Lord while I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. Do not trust in princes, in mortal man in whom there is no salvation. His spirit departs. He returns to the earth. In that very day, his thoughts perish. How blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord raises up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord protects the strangers. He supports the fatherless and the widow. He towards the way of the wicked. The Lord will reign forever. Your God, O Zion, to all generations. Praise the Lord. I want to read verse 10 again over this our land. The Lord will reign forever. Amen. The Lord will reign forever. Amen. The Lord will reign forever. Amen. Our God, the God of Zion, will reign to all generations. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Again, we decree over our personal lives, Jesus reigns. Amen. Over the church of God in Nigeria, Jesus reigns. Amen. Over this state we are in, Enugu state, Jesus reigns. Amen. Over the whole of this nation, Jesus reigns. Amen. Your God, O Zion, will reign to all generations. Amen. Praise the Lord. Uh, the Lord is good. Hallelujah. Let's quickly take our declaration of understanding and then we'll take our seats. If you don't know it, please just take your magazine. It's on the cover. Now let's take it warmly from the bottom of our hearts. One to let's go. Now I declare. Now I declare the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I'm pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. What is entering my heart? It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area, and it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. amen. I said amen. amen. It's a season of the healing anointing. Amen. And if anyone needs it, you will receive it today in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, the Lord is good. Let's take our seats. So let's start again. If I have two scriptures in my, three in my head that we should read to start. Romans chapter 12. Let's just read that one again. Paul writing to the Romans said, Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Now let me just read again a few more verses. For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. So just as we have many members in one body, 
and all the members do not have the same function. So we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Then Paul emphasized something important in verse 6. He said, we have gifts that differ. So let me read how he said it. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. You only find that rendering in New American Standard. And I think it's very beautiful because it supplied that sentence, okay, to make the point clear as the mind of the, the author was when he wrote in Greek. He says, since we have gifts, so we have gifts, that differ according to the grace. So there's a difference. One person has a gift, the other person doesn't have the same gift. It's according to the grace given to them. Grace there refers to power, ability. Each person has ability that the other person may not have. And I said, each is to exercise that gift or that grace accordingly. And I began to list, I'll read only the first one. It says, prophecy according to the proportion of his faith. So each time you prophesy, you speak according to the proportion of the confidence that God has given you to speak at that particular point in time. So you keep on building your confidence. That's the point he's making. Now let's just bear this in mind, all right? Another one I want to, us to read is um, Paul was writing again, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Now Paul said this in verse um, 6, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 6. Therefore, being always of good courage... And knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. We know this because we walk by faith and not by sight. He said, we are of good courage, I say. And prefer rather to be absent from the body and to be at home with the Lord. That's what we prefer. Many of us would rather be on this earth than to be with the Lord because we are looking forward to comfort on the earth. Paul wasn't like that. He said he would rather be absent from this earth from this body, and be with the Lord. He said, therefore, verse 9, we also have as our ambition, whether at home or absent, that is, whether we're on the earth or we have gone home to be with the Lord, we have as our ambition to be pleasing to him. Why? For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body, according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Each one of us must appear before the judgment seat of Christ, and then our deeds, which we did while we are on the earth, in this body, will be assessed, and they will be recompensed according to the deeds, whether the, good, the deeds were good or bad. Now, I said before, this is something we go over again and again. Repetition, it is said, is a master of or is the key to lasting impression. All right? You have to keep repeating something. Um, Mike Mudok will say the job of a boss is to give instruction. 10% of the job of a boss is to give instruction. And to you, well, and I believe it. He said 90% is to repeat them. You give instructions, 10% that's all. 90% is to keep repeating. That's just the way human beings are. They're quite stubborn, you know? Now, Peter also said, I know you know these things, but I will not neglect to remind you of them. So it's by way of remembrance we are going over this teaching again, which I've been trying to get into it for the last few weeks, but I think today we might be able to do that. We began it last time, actually. And that's to remind us that you are not serving, you know, you know what we're talking about is the worship of the true God. And that's what we're talking about. 
Now, worshiping Christ Jesus, we have explained, is not something you do in a place for Christians. Christianity is very different. That's why the word religion is not, is not actually appropriately applied to Christianity. Christianity is not a religion in that sense. It's not a religion. It's a whole life. It's a whole life. Yes, there are times in which we bust, you know, we have bursts of activity. Like now we are seated, we are learning, okay? The Lord has given me the grace to teach, and many people have tuned in, both physically here and remotely, to hear what I'm teaching. That's an activity in Christianity. But the fact that you are here for a few minutes, hours, is not all there is to Christianity. Like a lot of people magnify going to church, all right? Like, how can I be at home on a Sunday morning? It's not a big deal. Sunday doesn't have any meaning in Christianity. It's just a convenient day. We tend to always have a public holiday worldwide on Sundays. For that reason, we know that everybody will be able to come to church. When Paul and Co. were doing, I don't know whether they were doing service among the Gentiles, they were meeting on Sunday mornings also. Not because it was a holy day. You know, now we call it the Lord's Day. And they will make the mistake because in the book of Revelation, John said, I was in the spirit of the Lord's day. And I heard a voice saying, come up either. Now we assume that John had that experience on Sunday. But it's not so. <laughs> when John was writing, Sunday was not the Lord's day. That came hundreds of years later. In the Roman colonies that time, they met on Sunday for because of convenience. They didn't have a public holiday for Christianity. So people chose when it was convenient for them. The Jews, it was easy because as a culture, they had a holiday from Friday evening to Saturday evening, Sabbath day. Just by the way, again, as an aside, a lot of people want to practice Sabbath, they don't do it well. They say, we can't open shop on Sunday because it's Sunday. I say, if it's Sabbath, open at 6 p.m. Yeah. Do you understand? <laughs> now, but let's just stick, stick what I'm saying. So the Jews, it was easy for them. So they could go to the synagogues, and usually when Paul would get to a new city, he used to seek out the synagogue and go there. You know, you were guaranteed that people who knew the true God, some of them would be there, okay, and try to introduce Jesus as God manifested in the flesh to them. Most of the time it was rejected. But see, they, were all, they, they had that meeting day because the commandment was, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. But in Christianity, interesting love, we don't have that. You know, we don't even have a Sabbath day. I know there are sects in Christianity that try to insist that we must keep the Sabbath all right, and rest. Why? Because the Lord rested on the Sabbath day. But you will notice something. There was one man I was listening to. He said, I think it was David Paulson. He explained that, if I never noticed until he said it, that you never heard that commandment, instruction, or um, rule obeyed, given or obeyed by anybody before Mount Sinai. There's no record Adam had that instruction. We know Noah didn't have that instruction. Jacob didn't have it. Abraham didn't have it. Isaac did not have it. The first time you heard of it was on Mount Sinai. They knew about the creation, but that people couldn't do anything on Saturday, on that Sabbath day, 6 p.m. on Friday to 6 p.m. on Saturday, is part of the laws of Judaism. Christians don't have it. I know a sect of Christians that want to insist that no. And then Sabbath day, let me not sit on it, but it caused a lot of confusion for, for Jews. And one reason why God didn't sort it to us is that it, doesn't, it didn't solve the confusion. Is so what are you bothering about it for? Christianity doesn't have days like that. Easter is not a Christian holiday. I hope you know that. Yes, Neither is Christmas. 
Many people are surprised to hear it. We just take advantage of the fact that the world has made it a Christian holiday. Originally, if I'm to believe what I was told by people who should know, what you call Christ, Christmas now was a European holiday of idol worship, actually. lasted a whole week. They call it the Winter Festival of Lights, which is why Christmas has a lot of shining lights. That's why. So you have Christmas tree with lights all over the place. You have what they call Christmas lights. They were not Christian lights. So people just adapted them because the holidays were there. They said, let's find something else to celebrate. And we say, it's um, Christmas. Same thing with Easter. Now, I'm going to remind us again that Christianity is much deeper than days and all of that. Christianity is your whole life. It's your whole life. And when you are worshipping the true God, you're worshipping with everything you do. That's what, I'm, that's what I was trying to get to. That was what I was trying to get to. That you worship the true God with everything you do. Everything is so. Let me say something here. Eh? Commandments are not the basis of relationship with God, really. They are the introduction to good behavior. Look, I'm a man. I have children. I write all my commandments the way I like them. When I wake up, it's my personal commandment. When I sleep, it's my personal commandment. You know, I sleep early a lot these days. Okay? In fact, if you call me by 9, 10 o'clock, most likely I've slept. Now, for this modern day, 10 o'clock is early. Are you, you getting my point? 9.30, usually, my wife is the one that causes it anyway, because while you are talking to her, she did it yesterday. Halfway through your sentence, you know you're on your own. So, so shortly after she sleeps, I start reading something, and the next day I open my eyes, 12 midnight, and I get up, maybe I remove my clothes, break, go and brush, not do something, wash my face, then come back and sleep. Now, it's my commandment I wrote for myself now. Now, it wasn't always like that. What happened was that my decoder fell off. So my, <laughs> my dish, I didn't even know it was a dish. The decoder wasn't working again. I said, good. I didn't bother to try and repair it. But later, I found out that it was the fact that the dish fell off. And uh, yeah, so the watching news used to keep me a, a little bit. Now, why am I talking about all of these things? Well, no, the children can't do that. You sleep when I say so. Their mother will read everybody riot act. Tomorrow is school. Everybody, go to bed. When they were younger, they had a real, that is, 8.30. Say, oh, I don't feel like sleeping. Read a book on your bed. You will fall, I can assure you, you will fall asleep when you're lying down on your bed. Now, I'm going to explain something here. You see, as children, you have those commandments, but as adults, I, I, make, I do what I have to do based on circumstances around me. Like, if I have to be somewhere, if I have a flight, say, by 7.30, and I have to be at the airport by 645. This is not legal. This is a no go, you know, so we really can get to the airport easily. Nobody needs to tell me to be awake before five. I hope you're getting my point. I don't need instructions concerning it. I don't. As an adult. Now, you may have to wake up a child, you know, set an alarm. But as an adult, I know what to do. So the instruction when you go to bed, when you rise up, nobody writes it for an adult. Circumstances will write it for you. I hope you're getting my point. For example, if you live in Lagos, which is a real problem in itself. Sorry, Lagosians, I know. I know some of you are watching from Lagos, but you know the way it is. And then you have to ride two hours to get to work in the morning. And then you have to be there by 7.30. Which means you have to leave your house past 5. Which means you have to wake up before 5. You can't say, where's the commandment that says wake up by 4? That you don't live close enough to your office has written a commandment for you. 
I hope you're getting my point. However, how that commandment is written is based on the fact, again, that you're an adult. And you're responsible. And your office does not take nonsense. Because if your office was a typical civil servant office, you will get there. They say get there by 7.30. You will come there at 8 and say there was hold up. First day, they will give, of course, if it's a private company, first day, they won't say anything. By the third day, you, you are, you're on your way out. Because they understand that, listen, if there was traffic, you know, jam along the way, you should have discovered by the first day and left one hour earlier. I hope you're getting my point here. But you see, if the, the people will accept the excuse, you keep giving the excuse. Now, let me say something here. You keep writing your commandments in life based on your circumstances. Because you want to do what is what? Right. Which is be punctual. So I am going to be punctual in Enugu. If I leave my house 30 minutes, if it's more than 30 minutes, you wonder where I'm living. So where are you walking? You drive 30 minutes and you have not reached your house, your workplace in the morning. So because punctuality is inside me, I can wake up, sorry, one and a half hours later than the person who lives in Lagos. Can you see my commandment in Enugu is now different from the fellow who's in Lagos? And we're both responsible. Let me use the expression, we're serving the same God. Now, you see where I'm going with all of this talk. Christianity really is not about commandments. It's about transformation. What did I say? The whole thing, not just last night I said. Christianity is not about commandments. It's about what? Transformation. Now, that, you see, when people don't understand this, they think you attend, they, they, should, they can do anything they like. No. Notice the example I gave earlier. There's an underlying principle of what? Punctuality. But when I wake up, the commandment varies from Lagos to Enugu. But it's an underlying principle of what? Punctuality. In the same manner, there are things that the nature of God in us will form for us. Now, when that nature now comes down to the earth, I hope I'm getting my point. It will now vary from one situation to another. Let me give an example. One of the most difficult things for Christians to understand is how to dress. When I was a young, well, very young person, women couldn't, where I was, if you're a woman, you can't wear trousers. Why? They said it's men's clothing. So the rule was all over the place. Good Christian women do not wear trousers. It was, if you wear trousers, you will go to hellfire. My own experience at, when I was in secondary school was, even if you wore lace material, you know lace, you're burning. You are going to get, you are going to hell. Forget it. How can you wear lace? And they told us because there are holes in the lace material. Your skin can be seen through the holes. And I still remember, I was in boarding house. How I would handle this when I would go home was my problem. Because my mother would give me something to wear, and I say I can't wear because it has holes. So not only am I, well, I'm confusing her now, but I'm telling her she's going to hell because she's wearing her own lace. And other people in the house, including my father, all, everybody's going to drive to hellfire because they're all wearing lace. You may be laughing now, but it was a real problem for me when I was young. Okay? Then I, when I got to university, oh my God. After a few years, I started hearing this gospel. By my second year, God doesn't look on the outside. He looks on the inside. Which is from First Samuel chapter 16. When Samuel went to the house of um, Jesse. And then, behold, the Lord's anointed is before him. God said, no, I have rejected him. 
You are looking on the outside. I don't look on the outside. I look at the heart. They say God only looks at the heart. So in those days, you get to some fellowships. My father in heaven. But in a nice club, you come home. I know it's the women that give problems. Guys are always looking. There are a few crazy guys because some guys, they use um, um, liberty. They carry liberty any way they like, you understand? But generally, it was ladies that they, they throw from one extreme to another. Then let me just talk about this issue of um, men's clothing and no women's clothing. Of course, in the Bible like that, men shouldn't wear women's clothing and, men, and vice versa. There's only one place where grown up was I asking questions like, who said trousers is men's Because Jesus didn't wear trousers. Did he wear trousers? Okay, Americans call them pants, all right? Pants, you know, American call what you call trousers, English people, Greek English, Americans call them pants, all right? Pants, all right? <laughs> well, so please, if you're listening from America, we're talking about pants, okay? If you go to an American shop, please don't ask for trousers. You don't know the meaning. No, that's not a joke. Some people think I'm joking. It's not a joke. The guys will be like, what did you say? Please, where are your trousers inside the shop? The guys will call his face. Can anybody speak Africans here? Because I can't hear this guy. And they call them pants. All right. So, Jesus didn't wear pants. He didn't wear trousers. He wore robes. So I began to ask questions like, why is trousers men's clothing? Instantly, you know it has to do with culture. Instantly. But as we began to learn, we now finally understood what God actually said. There's a spirit, okay, which you find in people like a Bob. Um, there are a number of them in Nigeria. Okay, there are a number of crazy people like that in Nigeria. Boy George, when I was young, was the most internationally known one. Okay? They are called cross-dressers. Cross-dressers are different from transgender people. Being transgender is another level of um, demonic oppression. All right? Um, Cross-dressers are men they, they, or women. They're not changing their gender at all. But I'm a man. But when I, time I want to go out, go out, I dress up like a woman. That was what God commanded against. He wasn't saying that my wife should not wear my shirt. He wasn't saying my wife should never wear her husband's shirt to leave the house. That was not what he was saying. There was a spirit in the air he needed to fight. Just like you find him, and please, that thing is not a joke. It's demonic activity. I hope you get my point. You may be seeing the newspaper that make, make light of it. Those are demonic activities. They are all, de- those guys, some of them will make it look like they are just trying to do, you know, show, you know, like just for the show of it. Mm-mm, it's not. For some people, it's like, if they don't do it, they can't sleep. Some people do it in their homes because the society will not let them come out. What they do is that they enter their bedrooms and dress up like a man. We dress up like a woman. Apply makeup and everything. Nobody's seen him. They will stand in front of the mirror. Take pictures, do everything, and put the pictures in a safe where you'll never find them. Maybe at work, just open his phone and start looking at himself dressed up like a woman. Let me try and get to my message, all right? Many things are taking my time. But let me finish this one. It's a spirit. A spirit is feeding on those pictures. It's a spirit. It's a demonic spirit. That's why he can do it in the bedroom all alone. And he's satisfied. He'll be there for one. Apply makeup. Wear high heels. You're not getting my point. Wear female underwear. Wear, wear everything. You have a wig. Then stand in front of the and be looking at himself. Take pictures. Then keep them undressed. If he doesn't do it, he can't sleep for that night. 
Let me just say something to you. Eh? When Jesus has delivered you, you don't know what he has delivered you from. Because you are free, you don't know what they call bondage. Some people are bound. You see a man that he'll be featured, you don't know why. You think he's looking for drugs. No, it's not drugs. Just want to enter his hotel room to dress like a woman. Some, they actually will come out like that, walk around, nobody will know they are men. And the joy of their heart is when you will greet them, good evening, ma. He feels so happy. But not the truth, he doesn't want to be a man, a woman. He just has to get that heat. It's like a drug addiction. Please, I need to explain that, okay? So when you understand what God was saying to them, you will not dress like this. He wasn't just talking about uh, uh, don't wear trousers. No, 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 no. He was saying this a, there's a demonic activity that as a nation you have to reject. Let's not even now go to the issue of uh, those who say they are transgender, which let's get it on record. Because sometimes, you know, before, there are things I didn't think I should say. But now let's just say them because Christians get confused. It does not exist. There is no human being that's transgender. There are human beings that are demonically oppressed. I was watching one video. Somebody posted it a few days ago. This the lady was speaking. Say, woman looks like. He said, look, I'm a man. That why do these people lie? That they said that if you are transgender, you transition to being a woman. Then you will not come. He said it's not true. That you are now more likely to commit suicide after a few years. And the way he, she was talking, he, uh, no, the way she was talking, <laughs> the way this man was talking, it looked like a woman. You can see the anger. That why do you lie to young people? And that's what was annoying him. That look, this has been done to me. There's nothing I can undo. I can't undo it. Now, he, he went really, really far. I can't undo this, I know. He said, but please stop lying to people. That was uh, his own issue. That why do you lie? So for the records, let's say it. When I was a young medical student, as I did early 80s, our textbooks still called those things deviancy. They switched the definition by political persuasion, not medical reasoning, not research. It was pure politics that they started telling people being transgender is normal. It has never been normal. Before, you went for therapy. If you are confused now, it's a demonic activity. They target children. How can you tell a young person? In, in many countries in Europe, and I think in Canada, all right, a young person can now go for sex change without telling the parents. Yes, it's, it's allowed. You see, people who, cannot, who are not allowed to drive are allowed to sign for sex change. And many of the things that they do are permanent. A young girl signs up for double mastectomy. They remove both of her breasts because she said, I feel like I'm a man. I'm a boy. And these are usually issues of confusion from different things. There was a, um, a, a pediatrician I, I, I heard speak. and said, look, you have to talk to these children. And, and let me just say this. It's a satanic agenda. So don't try to be reasonable with anybody. It's a satanic agenda. If it's the way the whole thing goes, somebody possessed by the devil who worships Satan literally. I don't mean, no, some people are confused. They don't know. But some people, they literally are Satan worshippers. They go to the the shrine of Satan. They bow down, they make incisions, they do blood sacrifices, they do things for the devil. And the assignment he has given them is to corrupt the earth through some of these things. They become influential politically in some of these societies. And they start pushing an agenda that makes no sense to medicine. 
How can a child at the age of 10 say that I don't feel like I'm supposed to be a man, a boy? Meanwhile, everything about him is a boy. And you say, okay, he's transgender. Shouldn't your normal reaction be, why are you feeling like that? They didn't know he's transgender. Why is he transgender? What is the basis? There is no scientific basis. There is absolutely no scientific basis. It's a political thing. So the LGBTQIA, whatever, you know, that long list, yes. So they have a strong political force. At least better be thanking God for America that God gave them Donald Trump. When that man visited the country, he turned things around for them dramatically. This last week began to show it. If Hillary Clinton had won that election and Obama stepped down, my God, it's a country you wouldn't have wanted to go to. So it's politics. In some countries, in some countries, it's a crime to try and convert a young man or young woman who says I'm homosexual and try to explain. So prayer and deliverance has been converted to a crime. So you pray for somebody who needs prayer and they tell you it's a crime. Because these things are demonic activities. No human being is born gay. None. See, don't say, Pastor listen, as at last time I checked, they have done gene mapping to the limit. And they have found there's no genetic basis for it. None. There is absolutely no... Now, I'm not, I'm not talking as a preacher now. I'm talking as a, somebody who understands science. A publication came out about two years ago. After years of trying to... There is no gay gene. And let me tell you, by the time they are telling you that there is no gene for homosexuality, you can be sure of one thing they have tried to twist. They, it, it refused to twist. Because this thing can be twisted. They have twisted up and down. They can't identify it. And human and um, other uh, you know, living beings of the animal kingdom don't practice it. It's when there's a curse of the Lord upon a people that begins to manifest. Please, I need to emphasize it. Don't get carried away. Recognize a disease when you see it. For a man to be attracted to another man sexually is a disease. There's no need to pretend. It is a disease. It was a medically written disorder when I was a young student. By the time I got to senior class, they had switched the textbooks. We had classification. We were doing medical psychology. Disorders of object, disorder of this. They were disorders. They now they streamlined it and called it normal. And when you don't agree, do you know? I hope you know. In the latest classification of mental disorders, a name has been given as an abnormality to those that say they can't have sex until they are married. It's now a medical abnormality. I've forgotten the name. I'll give it to you. Yeah, I mentioned it once. You remember? That was when I first found out. They have found a name now. For you to obey God now is a disorder. To obey the instruction of the Almighty is now a disease. To disobey Him is now normal. At the same time, they have written articles. They've started that already, but it won't work in America. And America has taken a turn back towards this conservative, conservative end. But in Europe, it will fly. In much of Europe, it's already flying. They created a lie to say there's nothing wrong with a brother, full brother, mind a full sister. There's nothing wrong with a father marrying his daughter. 
Yes, see, I'm te- look, just Google it. That is, they've explained it. In fact, they gave it a lying name. They call it genetic sexual attraction, which is not genetic in any way. I've read some of their articles. When I was younger, I would have laughed them off. But I don't anymore because I think these are demonic activities rising. And when you see a nation that rises like Nigeria and much of African countries to make laws against these things, please thank God for them. They are step, because you see, as, an, as, as a continent, we have a lot of problems. We don't want to add that one to it. Because the horde of demons that will have allowed in. I met a lady during this week, because of the work she does, we're talking. And the same thing one of our sisters came from Abuja told us some months ago, she said it again. Do you know they are still, they are still active till now? Those, are, those agencies. They are nicely buying their way into our country, into our culture. She, she said it just like, in fact, I didn't even tell her that I'd heard it before. She said they disguise, they say they are, because of the work she does, she, so she was giving me information and st- stuff, that they would disguise and tell you that they are NGOs treating HIV and all of that. She says it's a lie, it's not HIV they're after. They give massive amounts of money to homosexuals, to anyone who we, you know, follow their teaching and try and keep, produce as many. Um, money is very powerful. Let's see. Eh? Earlier I was talking to my wife. I said, do you know women leave their husband because of money? That is like, yes, money. There's one crazy, you know, please. I will soon turn my prayer against some newspapers in Nigeria who start promoting nonsense because that's how it starts. They start promoting rubbish. See, the news, newspapers will be, you know, you'll be promoting. Can I just beg you for something? As the rule, jump entertainment news. That's what I do. Just jump them. Because they're not entertainment news. They are not entertainment, uh, entertainment news. Most of them are nothing but satanic infusion into the environment. Let me give you an example. A young a, a, a lady, I didn't read the details. Did I read that one? Can't remember. Uh, yeah, I think I wanted to know, so I, I read the detail of this one. This one sometime last year. Explaining how she left her husband so she could pursue her acting career. And now the point about that it was written as a news item. No, that's how demons enter. They normalize it that so if being married is blocking your career, just walk away from him. They are doing it. So bear it in mind. Let me say for the records, there's nothing like transgender. It's demonic activity. There's nothing right, normal, or bland, or innocent about same-sex attraction. It's a demonic activity. A society that legalizes that a man can marry a man is working for Satan. They are infusing satanic activity into the environment. Any society that does that, they are in, so bear it in mind. I hope, you, I hope you are getting my point. Now let me get back to where I went into this. So I was trying to emphasize the fact that Christianity is not about instruction, commandments. It's about transformation into us becoming like God. Remember we began by saying that we achieve that through worship. I hope you get my point. Now, instructions and commandments are used to train us in God-likeness. 
So you know how God reasons. So sometimes you find out somebody will take a commandment and put it aside. He said, why? It has served its purpose. So what do you mean? So that's disobeying. He said, no. If really understood the purpose of that commandment. And the person said, no, 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 no. I didn't set aside the commandment. We have gotten the point. I hope you're getting my point. Now, let me give an example now. The Lord gave them an instruction concerning Sabbath. Do you remember that? Then Jesus came and said, you've missed the point. Sabbath was made for a reason. But you guys have taken Sabbath to an extreme now that it has broken the reason God made it. So the Jews now say that, look, if you're hungry, eh, and you're very hungry, you cannot go out to get anything to eat on Sabbath. Jews, if somebody's injured, you can't dress the wound on Sabbath. If an animal falls into a ditch, huh, putting it out to be walk, then Jesus heals a sick person on Sabbath and they complain. So the Lord said, you guys have missed the point. Sabbath was meant to give you rest and allow God to work. But now you have turned Sabbath to what? Bondage. I hope you're getting my point. Every commandment, every instruction teaches you about the mind of God. There's something that the prince said, which, you know, I, it, for me was so instructive. He said there are exemplary judgments in the Bible. You know, you find that Ananias and Sapphira died, right? But he didn't find it much afterwards. He said God has made his point. Now, it's not as if every, other people don't die. But their die would not be as dramatic. The death of Ananias and Sapphira had to be dramatic so that they would know that God does not joke. After that, the next person will lie. Nothing will happen. Now, not as if nothing is happening, but nothing dramatic is happening. But the person is dying. Please, I hope you are getting my point. In the same manner, every time you see a commandment in Scripture, Paul said, learn the spirit of the law. Because, you see, God had to give 613 that's what they gave. 613 commandments. And they were not enough. It seemed. Arguments will still come on what is right, what, 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 what's the right, what's the wrong thing, under some circumstances. What was God saying? See, if you understood the spirit behind the commandments I gave, then when you get to other circumstances that are no commandments, you will know what is right to do. That's why sometimes you hear me say, like, like the other time I was saying that, some people say something, I say, don't I believe that thing. God doesn't talk like that. And like, I, I, how do you know? Having read the scripture for this length of time, having worked with God for a while, you know, there are things he doesn't say. They're not in line with his character. So once a man was preaching, I've given the illustration many times. The man gave a testimony and I pinched my wife. I said, he's lying. I said, how do you know? I said, did you hear what he said? I said to him straight, the Lord does not do that. And the man was preaching, was in the pulpit. I said, he's lying. Okay, the story the man told you that somebody built a church for God. And then his son fell sick and died. So he went and carried the corpse to the church he built and dropped it there. I said, God, after I built a church, take my child. And chop him now if you want to chop him. I started going away. And then the boy now woke up and said, Daddy, I said, is he lying? <laughs> there are too many things there that are not in line with the will of God. Of course it was a lie. Well, there are testimonies people will give. I say, hey, 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 
Wait, even if the person thinks he's telling the truth, he's still lying. Because the Bible says he himself does not know. It happens a lot of times. Once somebody gave a testimony like that, I was there. When he finished, no, one brother was telling what happened. Ah, this brother, when that thing happened, he carried his tight. He told God, ah, I paid my title. He can go, can go. And then I said, which God? Then when I heard the real story, nothing like what was being told. You know, pastors just like to make, you know, just to encourage people to give, they say. What am I going to explain here? When you encounter the commandments of God, learn the heart of God. Don't, your focus should not be commandments. Your focus should be what? The heart. Which was why Jesus said you have heard, but you didn't get the point. They said, that shall not commit adultery. Say no, I didn't do. God said, but where was your heart? Yes, I know your body did not, but where was your heart? That that instruction should have just told you the attitude of God about some things, so that you cannot be arguing because I get into discussions with people sometimes. And no, but I did not. No, no. I said, look, okay, like now, one day one brother we're having a discussion. He said, you have not yet answered me. What is sin? What is not? What is, not is it a sin or is it not a sin? I just look and say, you don't understand what we're talking about. We are trying to learn the attitude of God about the situation. You want me just to tell you, no, you can't. You can't. Because sometimes, some of those things, one man will do it, it will be wrong. Another man will do it, it will be right. Why? The one that did it and it was wrong had the wrong attitude. The one that did it and it was right, did it on, it had the right attitude and the circumstance that propelled him to do some things are different. Let me give an example. Okay, I remember the particular one that day. They said, is it right for a woman to take, because you know, medical advances have created a new set of rights and wrongs. I hope you know that. Yeah, medical advances. Have, so, is it right for a woman to go and freeze her eggs? You can remove your eggs and keep it and then use it to have children later. It's, it's medically possible now. So, that was the discussion. So, we're going on and on and on and on and on. The brother said, I, you've not answered whether it's a sin or it's not a sin. I said, where did you see the Bible say, that shall not freeze that egg? <laughs> so we went into analysis of why are you doing it. For example, for some people, they have to pursue their career. And of course, age counts quicker for women than it does for men. So the time you pursue your career is actually the prime time for childbearing also. I hope you're getting my point. So you can carry the eggs, keep, so you can become a professor, then you have children. You can carry the eggs, keep, you become a billionaire. Then you have, do you understand my point? So we began to analyze. What are you pursuing? What is your focus in life? What's important to you? So that analysis now began. But now we feel like we have spoken at length. We have not answered whether it was wrong or right. So I had to explain. I said, listen, let me give you some illustrations. These days, we do that also. The doctors do it. If a woman is going to go through treatment for certain disorders like cancer, sometimes they pull out the eggs first because the cancer drugs will damage her badly. They pull out the eggs, keep it, finish the treatment, she survives the cancer, they bring the eggs back. Do you want to not tell me freezing egg is right or wrong? Can you, can you get my point? See, the, the story has suddenly it has changed. She's not pursuing a career. Doctors say, we have to give you radiotherapy to your abdomen, and you're going to take certain drugs, your ovaries will not survive. You want to have kids? The young woman says, yes. It's okay. 
Let's suspend treatment for a few weeks while we harvest some eggs. Can you see the story has changed? So there are circumstances that will change the action, which will not make it right for one person, but wrong for the other person. How many commandments will God give us now? The book will be as high as Kilimanjaro. So he doesn't give us commandments for everything. He trains our hearts. And when we are worshiping him, we are becoming like him. That's why you hear me say some things. I'll just say it in passing. In fact, when my wife and I first got married, she used to, I would say some things. She's like, ha, ha, what do you mean? Then one day she now read Rick Joyner. And Rick Joyner now said, by, you know, he was now speaking by the vis- visitation of the Lord that he had, visions and all of that. Things that the Lord to- told him. And many of the things that <laughs> my wife would read in the book. Oh, this was all that thing you said. And I said, oh, you believe now because he's a prophet. But why did I say them? I said it's from teaching. From reading scripture, I just had understanding. So I said, no, this must be the way it is. Even though it was not popular culture in Christianity, I said, this is the way it is. Then the man had a vision, and the Lord said it to him directly. How did I come to that understanding? Just by reading through scripture, you understand the heart of God. Now, what I'm going to say, that's why we worship. We don't worship, because one thing that people are still doing is, they want to pay God off with activity. I have come to church, so God should bless me. Listen, you do. It's like you come to my house to eat, and now I should bless you. Does it make any sense? I take time out to feed, if we cook, I prepare, then you come to eat, and I should tell you, thank you for coming. If I ever say it, you say, ah, oh God, why are you saying that now? It was my pleasure. It was my pleasure. That food. If you have any leftover next week, just come to come help you clear it. Because you know you are the one benefiting, not me. So when we come to God's presence, it's not like we come to so that he will not say, he came to my presence, give him a car. <laughs> you know that kind of thing. He came to my presence, so build him a house. He, he lo- Nonsense. You come to his presence, you are the one that has been what? Changed. You are the one that's becoming. Please, bear this in mind. When you say, let us, don't get the impression that that man that God made from the beginning was perfect. He was never perfect. I'm trying to emphasize. Let us make man in our image. That image is still being made. Ah, but God said it was good. Don't be deceived by when God says something is good. When he says it is good, Good has to do with time also. Have you ever seen a baby? Baby, baby, baby. You know the proportions of a baby? If he sits in an adult, now let me tell you something here. A baby's head is very large compared to the rest of the body. A baby's head is almost one-fifth, no, it's more than one-fifth the length of the whole body. Ah, you look like so surprised. You have never measured it before. Go and check it. A, a one month old baby, just get a tape. Measure the head from here to here. They measure the rest of the body. You realize that head there is almost one quarter the whole length of the human being. I, I, you never thought it was abnormal until I said it now. But what if I showed up here and my head is from here to here? <laughs> I hope you're getting my point. So when you hear something is good, it doesn't mean it's perfect. And God saw it was good. Does not mean that's where they were going. 
It's only good at that moment. So when that baby, if that baby had come out, like your head now and mine, it's like about 10%, maybe 10 to 12% of the total length of your body. If that baby had come out with 10%, the head being 10% of the length of the body, we'll say this is Zika virus infection. We'll start giving it, this is microcephaly. There are names for it, they exist, and there are names. This is microcephaly, this is this, this. we start telling you stories. Why? It is not good that this man is alone. I hope you get my point. There was a time God looked at Adam and said it's not good. When he made it, did he not say it was good? No. Was it not very good? Yes. The time he came and said, this man is not good anymore. Why? At that moment, the next assignment requires a help. So that his alone was no longer good. At the beginning, it was good. So what I'm going to say is that, so when you see God making man, when he said, let us make man, don't just imagine that the moment he formed him, that man was all God wanted him to be. He wasn't. Like we said the other time, what he did was to make his shell. Over time, he was going to start building himself into that man until he becomes the exact image of Christ Jesus. Until he becomes exactly like God in his thoughts, in his value system, in his preferences, in his ability to love, in his ability to forgive, in his ability to create. That was not going to be overnight. So what is Christianity? Jesus is forming us into that image that God had at the beginning. It's a forming process. So anytime you read a commandment, you read an instruction, it's not just for obedience. It's to understand God and be transformed into his likeness. Let me give you an example now. If God says forgive, don't just go and say, God says I should forgive you. So I've forgiven you. I'm not happy doing it. I have to obey the Lord. Don't do that again. I forgive you, Shah. You hug the person. You have missed the point. You have not even gotten up to 30%. Once God says forgive, ah, uh-huh, I should forgive him. But you know what he did? I said forgive. You go home. There must be something about forgiving that's important to the Lord. That is, as whether you forgive him or not, that's already concluded. You are now more eager to understand God. How can a man do this against another man? And you say forgive. Then God now starts explaining to you. You see, when you don't, you make it look as if he's your God. And that he's responsible for where you are today or where you are not. But when you forgive, you have by that not only changed the past, you have created a new future for yourself so that what people do against you don't determine where you will get to. Can you see revelation just coming? Because you heard the word, forgive. Why are you forgiving? Because you know that if I had not given you into his hands, he could not have done that. You should have asked yourself, where is God my maker? You say, eh. So he doesn't even have that kind of power over me. You say, no, he doesn't. What you are doing is you are protecting yourself against the next person who wants to betray or hurt you. Why? You're analyzing the word, forgive. So you don't just forgive and go away and be happy. By the time you finish forgiving, you should become a forgiver. I don't know whether you're getting my point. You should become what? A forgiver. That is, next time, God doesn't have to tell you to forgive. You will not be the apostle of forgiveness. I don't know whether you're getting my point. You will not be the one telling people, now nah, forgive. What did he do to you? Forgive him. 
Oh, let me tell you something. If you don't, see, what you have now learned, the same comfort with which you are comforted, you are now using it to do what? Comfort another. So what you have learned now is what you are now teaching other people. What are you doing? You are spreading God-likeness. God taught you forgiveness. You are t- teaching somebody else. You will teach somebody. Before you know what's what happening, the whole of Enugu is full with forgivers. So God's instructions are not just there to be obeyed. They are there to teach us about God and transform us into his image. So I hear forgive. I forgive one person. But it has activated a transformation process in my heart. Which is why I say it all the time. Please, don't be angry with me. I say some things again and again. Because we have to fight. It's called feet washing. When there's iniquity in the society, we have to keep fighting it. Do you get my point? So, I'm back to this funny one. So, I get angry when I hear people say, give so that God can give back to you. I say, you are missing it. When you teach people give, it's so that they will become what? Givers. A giver is somebody who can give without for half a second, a fraction of a moment, considering what he will get back. Because once he starts thinking about what I will get back, he's no longer a giver. He's a businessman. He's an investor. A giver is somebody who multiplies godliness in the environment. By being a giver, are you getting my point? He doesn't only give Anytime he gives, he imparts the spirit into the place he's giving to. He teaches other people to give so that it, after a while, the whole of Enugu is full of who? Givers. You know, I was thinking about it. Was it this morning? Yes, this morning. And I told you I'm wearing a brother because I went for a wedding. So I was going for the wedding. So you see the way human beings, Nigerians behave. I just shake my head. Many of you know that um, Damija Junction in Transsekulo. You know, the road has been broken so that it's not a big roundabout. Passing through residential areas, you know, so you go from, from that church area, you turn, if you're coming from phase six, before you get to Damija, you turn right. Then you go, come out near the bridge if you want to go back. So if you are going up, up that way, you have to go that way, come and come. They block. Government has done everything. They put, they put wire, they put net, they put block. Yet, I was driving through there to come back, back to the office after the wedding. So the time would have been around 2 o'clock. Broad daylight. You see, see one tanker waiting for you to pass so it can go against one way. As for the Kekema, he does not even believe the law applies to him. He doesn't understand it. And really, I, I wish I had power in government. I said, this is how to fund many things now. Just put people there to be arresting for go, going down. You know, Lagos is so terrible now that if you go against one way, they impound your car. So, you know, that, that your new G class you just bought. When you want to lose it, just go to the airport road. Look for one way, go against it. You have lost it. The car is forfeited instantly. As soon as you go... One, one magistrate has come to enforce the law and sign the forfeiture order, and your car is gone. You can only get it back if you go and queue at the auction. Maybe you beg people, please, now, me not, me not buy my motor, let me just buy it for five million. Yeah, they are going to auction your car. Because human beings are so stubborn. They have fined, they have arrested, they have detained, they have locked up, they've done everything. But people must just disobey. You see where I'm going? Do you know? Oh, of course. 
Can I get back to politics? I know all of you like it. You like politics. Two things people like, marriage talk, politics talk. Those are the two most important forms of godliness as far as they are concerned. <laughs> you know, now because we are streaming and I don't want to get into people's, I, I don't argue with anybody. So I believe that what we need is this candidate. There's a, movement, there's a movement for a particular candidate. There's one candidate nobody likes. There's one, people, they don't know whether they like him or not, but they are jealous and angry with him. They are envious of his power. You know the one I'm talking about. But they, you know there are all kinds of candidates. You know, there are about, well, about three or four. You know, even this man is a candidate. Um, Abacha's um, CSO. I, must, I, I found that yesterday. He's a presidential candidate that Nigeria needs. That's what he said. He said he's the one that can change Nigeria. A Luta guy. A Luta master is a candidate. There are some other candidates that they don't even know they are candidates. When they go to vote, when they see their own, ah, are they here? They'll be those of <laughs> I think this presidential candidature, we should, we should reduce it, I beg. First round, go, just go and get one million votes on your own before we now put in the main, in the main round. Don't be, don't be spoiling things for people who want to win the election. The Lord is good. <laughs> so I told people, I said, listen, no matter, no matter who of these, okay, six, let me just say the first three, that you vote for, I said, they won't do much different from each other. They won't. People say why. I said, because simply Moses was a good president, but the people he carried could not enter the promised land. So if you find people not entering the promised land, you vote for another Moses. Is that the solution? Let me tell you God's solution. Kill everybody. Yeah, that, that's what he did. No, that's what he did. Those of us here will say, vote for another Moses. This Moses could not take us into the promised land. So, vote for another Moses. Joshua, you are the one we need. We don't have, what are we even doing with anybody from the tribe of Levi again? These Levites are not good people. Moses is a Levite. His brother Aaron, Levite. He made his brother prophet, his sister prophetess. And they're all children of the same father, the same mother. Are they the only ones in this country? <laughs> and you know what? That is why we are not entering the promised land. Did you notice what he did at the, 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 the crossing of the Red Sea? We had a problem. He was carrying the staff up. Thank God for the water that finally opened. This man is not a good leader. He was there carrying the staff up. I don't, what, 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 what kind of leader is this? Okay, remember that time now that we're, we're thirsty. We said, let's start digging for water. The man brought a, brought a stick and was beating the water. They just we thank God now began to rain. Water began to flow from other part because this man had been beating the rock all that way. They will never acknowledge that his beating of the rock was already known for what for what now. So what we have not entered the promised land after thirty years. No, no, this country is not going to enter the promised land. <laughs> we need a movement to elect somebody from another tribe, not from the tribe. These Levites are not good for us. Joshua is from the tribe of Judah. In fact, I heard there's one David that's going to come. He's from the tribe of Judah. They will now vote and elect Joshua. Just as Moses died, Joshua will still die. They still will not enter the promised land. So God said, how do I do it? I kill everybody. 
The only way they could enter the promised land was that God killed everybody. Above the age of 20 when they left Egypt. He said, anyone with Egypt in his soul, die by fire. If you have Egypt in your soul, some assault and scatter. If Egypt is on you, disappear. God was saying, die for 40 years. People were dying. Die. They kept on dying. Why? The reason why they did not enter the promised land was not because they did not have a good president, but because they were bad citizens. And you want to hear the truth about Nigeria? No presidential candidate will change our lives. None. Oh, if you like, feel bad. If you like, feel good. It's the truth. Some people are hoping for 2023 for things to change. Change you not. Shh. Nothing is changing in 2023. Nothing. That is what I mean that because of the election. Anytime things change, it's because the season has come. And then if the election comes at that season, fine. So if you want to look for a change, look for it now. Activate it through prayer. Now. And let 2023 come and join it. Why am I saying this? We have to kill the old man. That is when we enter into the promised land. Now I know what I was saying. I know I got into that. So the only way you kill the old man, is what I was saying, is when you spread godliness. Like I gave as an example, if I say forgive, instantly God, when God tells me that, say forgive this man, he turns me into a, a forgiver. As a forgiver, not only do I forgive him, I teach him godliness. I teach somebody else who's observing. He goes back home and says, ha, Banky has forgiven me. And then his wife learns forgiveness. She becomes a forgiver. They will keep on spreading forgiveness until the whole of the city is full with what? Filled of what? Forgivers. That's what you call godliness. We're not like God. We're not, we're not forgiving so we can get something. In the same manner, we give. That's why I went into that. Right now, so that, when I got to that and trans thing today, I just shook my head. I said, the problem we have in Nigeria is wickedness in the average person. They don't care. You see traffic is built. Somebody will just blow past, not caring about other people. So when we turn ourselves, that's one thing I wanted to connect, to give us, to give us, we are more concerned about, okay, look at this traffic. When I was coming to, because there's a major event here, this is our small junction here. A traffic, traffic built up again. See, I have seen where God has transmitted this spirit into people. Do you know one reason why Nigeria is called to police? Everybody's breaking the law. So we need about 10% of us to be policemen for there to be order. The only people that can reduce the number of policemen we need in Nigeria is pastors. Otherwise, to make the country effective, then by the time you have 10% as policemen, you need 10% of those policemen to have police people looking at them too. Yes. So, when 10% of policemen, of those ones, 10% of those policemen will be policemen watching the other policemen. And then those 10%, so, do you get my point? In fact, let's make a long story short. We are just a nation of police, police people because too many criminals. Like, you, know what, you know what the... Do you want to laugh? You know what the economy said about Nigeria some years ago? He said, said the whole country is a massive crime scene. You have watched movies before. 
They find a dead man here. They cut down off the area and say, this is a crime scene. They, 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 that's their police rope. Economists say, no, Nigeria, the whole country. In fact, just tie rope around the borders because that the whole country is a massive crime scene. One day I was at quarter, I was, I, I was coming from old UNTH, passing through a quarter, I was going home. The whole place was scattered. So I saw one policewoman there trying to control the traffic. So when I got there, I parked. I told her, I said, Madam, officer, please look at the people who are causing the problem here. The woman said, I know. What do you want me to do? <laughs> do you know, that was when it dawned on me that she was incapacitated. She said, I'm the only one here. Do you know, I felt sorry for her. She was trying to put order into the traffic, but nobody would cooperate. Now, if she brings a gun now and shoots two people, they say she's wicked. That day I looked, you know, I looked at her. I felt sorry. You don't get the point. She just told me, she said, what do you want me to do? She was there sweating, trying to put order. No, everybody else was bent on scattering the order. The story I've told many times, I know you've heard it before, but I'll tell it again. Many years ago, I was at a, at a junction in the United States. This was in Houston. It was a big junction. About five roads fed that very... Houston is America's fourth largest city. Okay? So it's not small. Fourth largest. That day I remember, when I saw the junction, I said, let me see what they will do. Because I know I'm just coming from Nigeria. I know the way it is. Let's not talk about Lagos. Even if I ain't no good, nobody's getting home that day till 12 midnight. If it's Lagos, all of you come, just turn and go back to work because you are not going anywhere. Literally, thousands of cows will pass through that junction that evening. Yes. It's a very major, big one. No, that, okay, think about it. Each road is dual carriage. So think about that. So four, there was a fifth one at least. So I went to buy something. So I came out. I walked. The shop where I went wasn't too far from the junction. So I walked back to the junction to go and start watching. Let me see what will happen today. There was no policeman. Not one. What happened that the traffic light failed. So there was a problem with the traffic light. They were not working. So I went to that junction to go and look to see what will happen. I watched for like 15, 20 minutes. I left. Nothing happened. Nothing in fact, I think that thing, they should, they should switch it off. There's nothing the traffic light is doing. Each person got there and waited. The, as soon as you get there, the first thing you think about is, let me wait. Let me now put a Nigerian mind to it, you know, a good Nigerian mind, a church mind. Let me wait. People got here before me. I won't be the first to go now. Even just now they come. So each person gets there. But actually what they do is that once you get there, you just scan all the other four roads. So you're watching two here, two here, two here, two here. You know when it's your turn. And if you are mistaken, you will wait. I don't know where I get my point. If you are not sure, all you do is wait a little longer, which is what I did before I go and give them the Nigerian factor. I hope you're getting my point. My mom, I didn't want to go to prison because I didn't have a driver's license. So, <laughs> because I didn't want to call attention to myself. I didn't have a driver's license. Even though they said they told me to be carrying my Nigerian license about, okay, but I didn't want to explain anything. They, like my brother-in-law said, he said that kind of thing, don't worry. That you just don't speak good English, you speak local English. You say, ah, uh, uh, good, good afternoon, sir. Now, yesterday, I just did. Uh, uh, that is... 
that when they hear your accent, eh, they go pity you. <laughs> but if you go there, if you want to show that you have watched movies in Nigeria, you will pay fine. Eh? You will pay fine. You don't go believe. <laughs> in fact, my brother there, he told me a story of one Somali man that came. You know, you cross road in certain places in the U.S., it's also a crime. It's called jaywalking. So the guy cross road, and I police catch up. He spoke English, took his ID, gave him a ticket, and paid fine. The guy crossed the road back. Policeman said, come, 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 come. <laughs> give my ticket back. Give my ticket back. He said. <laughs> the guy didn't get the point. The Lord is good. What's the point I'm making? So that, I never forgot that thing. This was long ago. I mean, victory was not even born that time. This was long ago. I, I never forgot it. The number of cars I saw, but everybody, now please listen to what I'm saying. Everybody had that dose of godliness in them. That junction, as busy as, as it was, did not need more than one policeman. Yeah, because most people are obeying the law. He'll just go there. If justice just tell you, just flash you, you'll park. And he'll be talking to you, you know that everybody's obeying the law. He said, do you know what you did just now? You ran the red light. He'll just be explaining to you. Because everybody's obeying the law. Apart from a few people like that. What am I going to say? So that's why I say to Nigerians, stop looking at any of these presidential candidates to change your, your what do you call it? Your fortune. Yes. No, none of them can. Because what is ruining the fortune is inside the people around you. No matter how good their intentions are, they will fail if they have bad followers. That's why I said the other time that what we need is revival. What we need is what? Revival. And that's what the church must offer to this nation. What we need is revival. And revival doesn't start outside. It starts with each individual one of us. I was talking about what Christianity is, why we worship the Lord. When we are worshiping, it's changing us from inside. Let us make man in our image. That's when he's making us. Don't think that when he formed the land, no, no. That making process continues. At the point that he said it's not good. That is, for that moment, Adam was not what he was supposed to be. So he corrected him. It's not good that this man is alone. Something was not good. Which manifested by reason of the time he was now in. Emphasis from there is that we are constantly being made. We are constantly being changed. We are constantly being transformed. What God is doing is making each... In- so anytime you see a commandment, you see an instruction. It's not, you know, the mistake people make is that they say, how can we get away by going around it? Even if God allowed you to get away, you have missed a blessing. I don't know whether you get my point. If God says, don't do this, you find a way to do it without getting punished. Even if he doesn't say anything, you have missed a blessing. Because in obeying that commandment, you will have found life. I hope you get my point. In each of his instructions is life. In each one. In each one is life. In each one is life. So Christianity is not we go to church, we go and bow so we can collect something. No. Except 
a spirit is dropped into you through the visits you have to that church, you are wasting your time. Like I said at that time, if you go to church, a number of things, if you are listening to any preacher, if they are not doing this to you, eh? you are wasting your time. We listed it some time ago. Number one, you become more faithful. Remember that? Faith is boosted in you. Faithfulness is practical faith. Number two, unity of the church is increased in you. Which other one did I give? Love for the brethren. Love inside you is heightened. I was mentioned another one that rest. Rest. Worry disappears from your life. You don't, you are not, you are not as no fretful as it used to be. Next, fear. Fear goes down, but the fear of God increases. I hope you get my point. Fear generally in life goes down, but the fear of God increases. These are the things. If you go to a church, when by the time they finish with you, everybody around is your enemy. You have a wrong church. You go to a church, by the time they are done with you, you have become suspicious. You have a wrong church. My friend lives in the United States. He told me something once. He said one day his sister came to stay with them. She was pregnant. She was going to deliver. wanted to deliver in the U.S. So she came to their house. So then, his sister-in-law actually. The another of his sisters, uh, of his wife's sisters, came, senior to that one. Came to take that one to their pastor to go and pray because she was pregnant. And then they went and prayed. So he said, Banky, please. Before this girl came to my house, she had no fear of any uncle or any auntie. He said, but after the prayer session, now every uncle, every auntie is suspicious. He said, is that deliverance or bondage? Because he was concerned. He said, which kind of thing is this one? Before you carry this girl to his pastor to go and pray, she was not suspicious of any uncle. She was not concerned about any auntie. But by the time the prayer was going on, anything that any uncle, any friend, any, any auntie, any enemy, disguising as relative, has given her to eat, we command her to begin to vomit it, to begin to have diarrhea, so it will go away. That, no, that's how the man prayed. My friend was concerned. He said, Banky, do you call this deliverance, or this girl had just been sent into bondage? Of course, I had to agree with him entirely, which is why I'm telling you the story. I said, she has been sent into bondage. Now she's suspicious. Before she was eating freely. Many of us, see, you know those who are running this country most? Pastors. They are doing more damage to this nation than bandits. But that, no, I'm not kidding. No. I mean that literally. I've been saying for some weeks now, this political season, they started again. And when you are praying, you have to pray that God will shut them up. Listen, God has to shut people up. I hope you know. Oh, he has to. Because if he doesn't shut people up, they spoil things. You know, I said here the other day. Remember Zachariah? You think it, was, it wasn't a small thing for that man to be dumb and deaf for months. I suspect you he was deaf and dumb for like nine months. At least eight. Okay. Let's give it seven months minimum. Minimum. Why? So that Zachariah will not miscarry. Uh, so that um, Elizabeth will not miscarry. That was the reason they were wrong. And we used to think that was all they did. No. Maybe initially, that was all they did. But after a while, now one angel come put glue for him here. Who both sides? The man couldn't hear. And I'm beginning to suspect after a while, I couldn't see too. 
Yeah, maybe you only see at 12 noon when everywhere is very bright. Or be seeing men as trees. So that he won't go mad. God let him see the sun. Once he enters the house, he can't see anything again. Why? His sight, his vision, his hearing, producing something through his mouth was going to kill everything. God doesn't play. He looked at it and said, this guy will spoil this thing. So he shut his mouth. So he couldn't prophesy. Because if he had gone home and said, hey, Elizabeth, eh? do you know how old you are? You are really pregnant. <laughs> do you believe it? Let's go and say our pastor, because some of these evil spirits, these guys like angels. So. If Elizabeth said that, uh, I've not seen my period, say, ha, ha, you know how old you are. When did you stop seeing yourself? Okay, so say it's true. You think you're really pregnant? I don't think so. Once faith disappears from the heart of Peter, he will sink. So if Elizabeth too, sink. So God kept him occupied with going from one holy to pastor, looking for the cure for his deafness and his dumbness. They couldn't attend to the matter of the pregnancy until she delivered. Now that his eyes could now see the baby, you know, he wasn't seeing well. That one is my theory. The other two is not my theory. It's Bible. That is not seen where Nami had that one joined. Because I think that man should really have been, his eyes should have been closed to. Don't, don't laugh at him because you too. <laughs> God has told you things. <laughs> that have used your mouth to spoil it. He said, come and buy land. He said, hey, I did not tips. If you buy land in this country, there's nothing. They just eat your money and the money will just go. Something good that God planned. Wanted to bless Christians with. By the time 50 Christians said that, then God appointed a, a, a stiff as the chairman of the development committee. They actually collected the money of those that came and disappeared. And then the Christians got and said, did we not say so? And Satan said, yes, you said so. I needed you to say so. Thank you for saying so. Now I've ruined your life a little bit more. Next case. So before you laugh at them, Zachariah, just check yourself. I'll give you 30 seconds. Just think about the things you have been using your mouth. God, blessing God wanted to give you. This country, do you know the, the cost of this? Nothing will ever work. If you're going to start a business, which kind of business is that? Which business have you seen them start during COVID? You said so. Begin to repent. You want to go dumb and deaf? Quickly repent. That's the only way to recover your sight. Recover your hearing. Repentance. It's very important. Now, back to what I'm trying to say. So this nation, some people have to be shut up. Some pastors, their mouths have to be closed. I said it last Tuesday. If not on Tuesday, I was very shocked. As soon as I knew what I was saying, I left. I didn't want to add to what the Lord was saying. I prayed. That's why I was asking Israel whether the message was ready. I want to send it around quickly. Once you get it, send it around. Pastors, shut your mouth or the Lord will shut you up. Because right now, you are taking the people of God and giving them a new God called PVC. You are carrying the people of God to go and worship another God called Election 2023. That's not their salvation. Their salvation, is said, in returning and in rest. That's how you'll be saved. What does it mean to return? It's a reward, which also means to repent, to change course. The real salvation for a nation like this, the real salvation for a nation like this, the real salvation for a nation like this is a revival. Yeah. See, please forget Abu Bakr, Atiku, Bola, Tinubu, P2B, and the rest. They can't do anything. You appoint another Moses and give them another crop of Israelites, they will still will die in the wilderness. Until you kill off that first set of Israelites that left Egypt. 
and you have a new breed that was bred by God, those are the ones that can enter the promised land. What's Christianity doing? Transforming you, transforming me. Not only are we being transformed, we are becoming agents of transformation. We are spreading godliness. Please, I need to get back to what I was saying. Anytime we get a commandment and instruction, we look for the spirit inside, a drink of that spirit, so that no longer are we obeying commandments and instructions. We have now become one that even if they did not give those commandments, that's exactly what we would do. If you are still obeying commandments, you have not started. You are just starting. No, like I say, humorously, we say it like a joke. People say, where did God say we can't marry more than one wife? I say, for you to ask that question, you have not been changed. Like for yourself. You can be asking for your neighbor. I hope you get my point. If you're asking for your neighbor, I don't have a problem. But if a Christian young man, in fact, if any young man asks you that he's not born again, listen, catch him, drag him to one water, baptize him again. Any young man that says that, if he's really of the old generation, I can understand that. But if you have been a Christian for some years and you are still asking that question, so there's a problem. There is a problem. Now, why am I saying so? You are looking for how to be a man of more than one woman. So the commandment of God is an obstruction to your plan. Do you get my point? His commandment is an obstruction to your plan. So you don't like it. So you are looking for how do I escape from this commandment? That's what, that's what you are doing. You know, remember that actually Paul wrote to Timothy and Titus that the deacon must be a husband of one wife. He said, ah, I don't want to be a deacon. I'm not yet a deacon. In fact, I'm not a deacon. So why won't I have more than one wife? Can you see? Your heart is already there. You're already in this sin. Whether you marry or not, you're already in this sin. You are, you are disobedient. Do you get my point? Yeah. Your heart is there. So you know we say humorously. So after being married all these years, and understand the mind of God, if God now comes and says, Banky, I have seen thy labor. I have seen thy works. I want to reward thee. And I say, Lord, with what? Well, there are a number of things. Okay, let's look for some things that are not really bad in themselves, you know. Um, I'm going to give you one house in every major city that you want. A big one in Abuja, one in Lagos, one in New York, one in Houston. One in there, I said, okay, Lord, uh, Lord, you maintain them. We said, don't worry, I'll maintain them and pay all the taxes. Said, Lord, thank you. Because, you know, I can't visit them too many of them. <laughs> you and your friends can share. Say, Lord, thank you. They'll give him plenty money. Say, Lord, that's not a bad idea. I just make sure it doesn't make me crazy, but thank you. <laughs> and I say, okay, one more thing. You cannot have three extra wives if you want. <laughs> now, this, that, this is where I was going. <laughs> I just said, there's no problem, Lord. Those three, just give her that John one. <laughs> Israel is beside him, can take another one. And Yinkada's laughing at the two of them. <laughs> can take the third one. Do you have extra to, who can give to Kemuti and Co? Because <laughs> I said, Lord, no, just tell you simply, I'm not interested. Now, let me tell you something. It's not everything God offers you should collect like that. Too. Some of them are tests. Say, Lord, I don't want. There's a kind of money God will offer you. Say, Lord, no, no, don't bother. Say, well, you want to give me extra work. Some people think, ah, if I just get like $50 million now, my God. You know, go come to church again. <laughs> you won't come, God, no. You will not come to church again. What are you talking like? They give $50 million, you have no plans, you have no needs. 
Even if you are born again, you still go mad. Thank God doesn't do such things. People think money is money is very wicked. Money is an embodiment of wickedness. To drive you mad. You know, some people went, you know, they, they were greeting me before. Hey, Pastor Frank, how are you doing? The next time you give them money, Pastor, hi! <laughs> I can't bless them again. That's really the problem. Because, you know, there's an attitude which you collect a blessing. One guy saw me one day. God forgive me what I'm about to say. I just look at this guy. This guy, you get a problem. Pastor Frank, how are you doing? He said, I'm fine. Ah, when are you going to visit us? I'm looking at him. I slap him. I'm like this. <laughs> I said, so, 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 so. Oh, no. We're expecting you. I was looking at the boy like this. Why? They've ordained him pastor, too. Oh, yeah, that's what happened now. He's been ordained pastor, so we are now mates. What he did not know is that nobody ordained me pastor. Nobody. Nobody did. I'm telling you, I'm being honest with you. Pastor Banking people called me. It was, a, it was a friendly appellation in school. The reason why some people call me Pastor Banking is because when I talk, they, they hear God. They hear the word of God. The spirit ministers to them. That is where that pastor is. That's what it means to them. So he, having discarded it, I can't tell him anything. I don't know what I'm point. That attitude, he threw it away. So we are now amazed. Oh boy, you preach your own, I preach my own. I just look at the guy like, Kai. That's why Paul said, don't put novices in offices. The Lord is good. No, back to what I'm trying to say. So, now that's a small digression. So, when God gives some commandments, like, and sorry, if he gives you an offer like that, sometimes he's testing you. Someone is saying, you, now you can now marry three wives. I say, no. Do you know why? My reason is simple. It's because having worked with him for some time, I have come to understand the reason. So, it's not commandment now that's the issue. It's now we understand the mind of God. So, even if God wants to dash off something, we say, okay, we don't need it. How will he help our ministry? That becomes the question. So each commandment, each, inst- each instruction is given so that through it you will connect to the heart of God. Not just given for you to obey. Like I gave us an illustration. If it says forgive, you're not just going to forgive. You become what? Forgiver. A forgiver. For, for, forgiveness now becomes your nature. When it says give, you don't just give so you can want to collect. No. You have now seen that giving is good. Giving is godliness. So you become a giver. So that most of the times you give, you don't even remember. Giving has just become what? A nature to you. You've been transformed. That is what Christianity is. That is what the worship of the true God is doing to us. That's why we are following him. We're not coming to church to mark a register. We are not praying so that they, when they ask you, did you pray? Say, yes, I have prayed. We understand that without praying, you are losing something. Like we are discussing yesterday at the Bible study here, for those who are around, was Israel that asked a question about um, faithfulness in prayer. We are talking about faithfulness, just discussing. They will now went and discuss the issue of being faithful, not just in prayer generally, but each assignment of prayer you have been given. For example, we discussed, are you faithful in praying for the nation? Are you faithful in praying for your children? Are you faithful in praying for your loved ones? I have come to realize there are many things God wants to do. He will not be able to do until somebody says do. He wants to do. This also, he said, 
I will let the children of Israel ask me to do for them. That is, I want to increase their men like a flock. I want to populate their land again. I want to bring prosperity into their fields. I want to secure their land. So I said to them, ask me to do it. Because I can't just intrude. This is a land I give to you. You have the final authority. So say to me, bless this land. In the same manner, I mean, let's think about it. How many of us who are married have knelt down and said, let me take the next 10, 15, 20 minutes, one hour. Today I have one prayer point. My wife or my husband. It's not that we should do all the time. But one day, just take some time. Just break his life or her life down into like ten, okay, five parts. Spirituality, understanding God, the visions of God, following God's purpose in life, that's the second point. His health or her health. Financial prosperity, you know. Relationship with people around. You know, just break it down. And just utter what, you know, we were saying yesterday that Christians have been what? Pentecostals have been very badly taught in prayer. So let me let, say, time to pray for your husband. Time to pray for his finances. Let's pray for his health. And they say you have prayed. I've come to realize that you have not prayed. Before you start praying the Spirit, exhaust your understanding. You can't just start with your praying the Spirit. Come on, exhaust your understanding. Paul made it clear. I will Yes, I will pray with my understanding. Exhaust your understanding first, please. Say concerning him. Say concerning her. God, give him the spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge of you. Let the eyes of his understanding be enlightened. Let him know the hope of his calling. We're ready for Ephesians chapter 1 now. I pray, Lord, for my husband, for my wife, that her love will increase more and more, that she will obey the will of God for her life, that the instructions of heaven will reveal Christ to her. Do you get my point? That's what he wants to do. So once he finish saying it, he has died doing it. Yesterday, one of our brothers, maybe he's around, I don't know, maybe he's in that hall. Yesterday, we were just talking. Hey, Omar, he's a doctor too, all right? He said, both of us said that to be alive is a miracle, to die is normal. He's a surgeon. We're talking about yesterday. Both of us were just talking. He said, oh boy, to be alive is a miracle. To die is normal. That is, you shouldn't be alive. You should be dead. All of us. Because the number of things that can kill somebody. I told you the one I saw yesterday. You know these bars that they put across the road that the truck will not pass? The one that's in front of that church. One of these delivery vehicles was going. Open back. They put loads. One guy sat on top of it. And he put his back. So the driver just went, the, thing, the guy didn't even know when he was hit. I just reached there. I saw what looked like a corpse on the ground. The driver was frantic. So I stopped to go and see, well, let me see what I can do to help them. And the guy suddenly got up. I said, well, he's not dead, but he was bleeding all over. So this brother said, he said, he will need surgery. He should leave that. And that guy will need surgery. That he has fractured his skull. That there's nothing he can fall from that height. He says his skull has been fractured. When I started talking, I said, hey, the number of things. Ha, I saw one the other day, I couldn't read it. Jesus. And my wife, I don't know what, what kind of boldness she has. She opened it and read it. I saw headline news. I couldn't click on it. I can't even tell you what it is. Let's leave it there. It's very tragic. Mistake. Don't ask me what it is, because I won't tell you. I'm going to emphasize dangers all around. 
I've seen people lying down in their room and they just die. That this bullet came and killed them there. Nobody broke the door. Bullet fell through the roof. A little boy. Honestly, when you think about those, such things, God says, just ask me to protect your loved ones. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying you should do anything. So people now go and give the children instruction. When you are sitting on top of a truck, look front. Oh. <laughs> the boy will be looking like, Daddy, what should I be doing on top of a truck? I don't know. Just look front. Oh. And then you come home, you have another instruction to give on safety. <laughs> no, the one that used to make me laugh. I, God forgive me. I have to teach my children how to handle dogs. If I go down the road. Because I've seen people beaten by dogs and die from rabies. I've seen it. Child was just going on his own, the dog gone bite them. They didn't take it serious until God got rabies and died. So the one I now do now, <laughs> and they remember that God said that each one has an angel. So all you need to do is activate the spirit of that angel. By Bible says they hearken unto what? The voice of his word. The angels are mighty in strength. They hearken unto the voice of his word. So I bless the children regularly with divine protection. And as I'm saying that, all the angels here are hearing. If any rabid dog wants to go near my son or my daughter, you know what to do. Don't drive away the dog. Please kill it. Look, the dog is going to die. Even if it's a human being, there's only God can save. There's no treatment for somebody that's gotten rabies. There's no treatment. So I just said to the angel, kill the dog. Don't spare the dog alive. Once it's heading for my child, for my son, for my daughter, just become a car. Run the, <laughs> Run the dog over. Thank you very much. I'm telling you. It's just simple prayer. If they miss their way, Lord, lead them home. No, we discussed it yesterday. Being faithful in praying for your loved ones. It's important. Yeah, I can do that. What was I trying to say? Didn't I do even know? But I think God wanted people to hear it. Yes. Take time out. Let me just, I know it's, I don't know how I fell into it, but I think the Spirit wanted people to hear. You need to pray, no? It's called faithfulness. Faithfulness is not just how I manage money. We've talked about that. Faithfulness in, um, in small things, money, and in that which belongs to another person. Yeah, so we, we know that. But I'm talking about, so yesterday when Israel asked, what about faithfulness in prayer? Ah, we said it's important. We began to discuss it here. When, what God wants to do, he says, ask me to do it. Ask me to do it. In your own life, confess the word of God on a regular basis. And I know what, what I was going to say. So you see, I don't pray in the morning now because let's check that, that checklist. Just tick it. I know I'm activating a good thing. I hope you're getting my point. When my children were writing exam the other time, when the day they started, I wasn't in town. Okay? So their mother called me, have you called them to pray for them? No. Ah. As they are going. Yeah, I called. Give each person a phone. As you are going, your, 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 your strength is not in the book you have read. It's in the favor of God. So have favor. God will favor you. God will help you. He will correct your mistakes. He will be your shield. That is one, yeah, hand the phone to your, your sister. I pray for them like, it's my job. God wants to bless them and say, but you are their father now. Give me the open door. So I open the door for them. It's an assignment. It's not about, uh, you know, we are Christians in this house, so if we don't pray now, the Muslims will think we are not serious. No. <laughs> it, it, it's for our own sake. It's for our sake. It's for our sake. You know, he transforms us until we become like him. Go and check it on this earth. Jesus was a prayer master. 
You think he was trying to please somebody? He knew how it worked. He knew how it worked. He knew how it worked. The Bible, do you know why Jesus did not sin? Because he was pure and he could not sin. True or false? True or false? False. 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 Because if he was pure and could not sin, then temptation was of no effect. Why was it that he did not sin? Because the Bible said in the days of his flesh, what did he do? He cried with many tears to him who was able to save him from death. And it was heard in that he feared. Is it saving from death yet? The wages of what? Sin is death. So what God saved him from was temptation. So he faced the temptation with the power of God. Not with inherent divine ability. No, he faced the temptation with the power of God. And that's the reason why he didn't tell the devil, turn stones to breath for what? I'm not going to do any such thing. No. He activated <laughs> the word of God. That's what he did. Say, turn this on the bread. Say, it is written. Because the way we activate the power of God is through his word. Yes, it's not by shouting, Holy Ghost fire. Forget that. No, Christians have some gyrations. You don't know where they learned it from. <laughs> I told you the one I saw on the plane. I stand in the shoe of our apostle Joshua Selman. I said, ah. I looked for the gospel according to Selman. I didn't find it in my Bible. <laughs> so we stand in the shoe. In the shoes of a wasn't name that. Oh, Paul and Angel. I said, eh? Was he a prophet in the Bible? Because I was checking. Nothing like that. And they were screaming. Ah! That flight was one of the most interesting flights I've had in my life. Screaming the plane down. And I was not afraid until they said there shall be no loss. I said, eh? Is loss a possibility? Because for me, it, just, it was just bad weather. These pilots are trained to fly in such a way. Weather. And they were not even, the pilots were not panicking. Just said, guys, rain is too much in Enugu. Let's go to Oriya and go and land and wait till the rain in Enugu stops. Hey, there shall be no loss. Oh, there shall be no loss. I said, who was lost in what before? There are some gyrations that God did not send us. If you want to activate the power of God, you activate it how? By his word. So Jesus, in overcoming sin, activated the power of God and said simply, it is written. It is written. It is written. So he did not overcome temptations by his own strength. He overcame temptations by prayer. What am I trying to say? If you are going to overcome also, it's the same method. So what am I saying here? You see, therefore, we become prayers. You know, there's what? Forgive us. There's what? Give us. Now, another word? Prayers. People that pray. We become prayers, prayer warriors, because we have, been, because we have become transformed. We just know without him we can do what? Nothing. Then I, I pray about everything. When I say everything, I mean everything. 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 So what do you mean by everything? Everything. I mean, if my car is doing, I don't understand what's going on. Try to start the car, it's not moving well. Before I call Uday, I call God first. Because Uday is but a man. Why do you trust in a man whose breath is in his nose? I've never seen Uday breathe through his ears. His breath is where? It's in his nostrils. So before I call him, I call God first. Say, Lord, please, oh, because you know me, I don't the check. <laughs> if Uday say that my engine is poor, okay, you know the engine of this motor. I know the price. I don't want, I don't want to even hear it. They, no, I'm serious. I pray about everything. They did the drains in my house. All on one wall, blocked. 
and they were no longer draining. It became so bad we couldn't use the bathrooms on that side. I had to tell you to go and bathe somewhere else and all of that. Before the plumber came, I prayed. Because why I had to pray was I was thinking of conduit piping. Because my neighbor just finished hammering his wall to change, to fix pipe matter. And I was, you know what? First I came to my mind, I said, I told Bishop that time, I don't like conduit piping. This is the kind of thing I don't like. <laughs> say, hey, thank you for you start whining. Pray. And I prayed. When the plumber came, we did not spend a dime. He didn't break anything. Unplug this, unplug that, check, got one wire, this one, and the other, that plugged that, and, and it finished. In 10 minutes, it was done. Life was back to normal. He said, you pray, pray about plumbing? Yes. If mosquitoes, you know, have you ever had mosquitoes that you, you, you finish praying them today, tomorrow they go and bring out seven um, insects more wicked than <laughs> into your house? Let me tell you how to handle such mosquitoes. Pray about them. Just if I these insects, they will not overcome me. In peace, I will lie down and sleep. Yes. Quote scripture over mosquito. You'll be amazed. They'll just fly past your window, room, and that's your wicked neighbor. The Lord is good. You know what? I'm convinced I've given you the word of God today. I don't have a shadow of doubt in my mind. And I'll tell you my reason why. I've not even been able to go near my topic for today. And I've spoken for over one hour, 45 minutes. So I know that no, no, flesh and blood did not speak. Because I had my topic for today. Which we shall go back. When the Lord pleases, we will reach there. But we're blessed today. Did you enjoy my preaching about that today? The Lord is good. <laughs> let's bow down. Let's give the Lord thanks. Let's just give him thanks. Can you just say after me? Say, thank you, Lord, for saving me. Thank you, Lord, for forgiving me. Thank you, Lord, for washing me clean. Thank you for the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Thank you for healing. Say that again. Thank you for healing. I know I am healed on the top of my head to the soles of my feet because Jesus paid. Because Jesus paid. Say it, I have been forgiven. Now I am healed. Say it again, I have been forgiven. Now I am healed. Now I want you to say this, old age is not a disease. Old age is not a disease. It is not permitted to make me weak. It is not permitted to make me blind. It's not permitted to make me sick. Say, I refuse excuses for Satan. Say, I have been forgiven. Therefore, every affliction is an oppression of the devil. Therefore, I command affliction to cease. Every disease cease from my body in Jesus' name. I have been forgiven. So, every affliction is an oppression. Therefore, I command oppression to cease. I command healing on my body. No matter be the excuse medically, I reject the excuse. Now, what I mean by that, let's just understand. They'll say it's your genes, it's your age, it's your family background, it's the environment you live in. These are all excuses for Satan. There's only one thing we will hear, the excuse for healing. And what is that excuse? Jesus died. What's that excuse? We are forgiven. What's that excuse? His body was broken. We will not hear any other excuse. 
The only excuse we received this evening is the excuse to be healed. Amen. Therefore, say in the name of Jesus, the name of Jesus I, command healing on my body. I command healing on my body according to the word of the Lord, according to the, Lord. According to the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Again, I say it. I am healed from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. Missing parts be created in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, we say thank you. Yeah, this is our faith. Lord, we say thank you. Thank you for what you have done for us in Christ Jesus. Abundant supply for those who are in lack in Jesus' name. Yes, if there is a lack in any way in your life, I command supplies to come in the name of Jesus. Again, remember you have been forgiven. So every affliction is an oppression. I command our oppression to cease in Jesus' name. Amen. Have your needs met in the name of Jesus. Amen. Lord will make all grace abound towards you. Amen. You will have all sufficiency in all things. Amen. And you will abound to every good work. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I let share the grace in fellowship. Because of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, surely we have passed out of death and we have passed into life. We have passed out of darkness into the light of Christ. We have passed out from under the curse into the blessing. All things have passed away in our lives. We are now filled with the spirit of Christ. We live above sin and walk above the devil because we are seated high above with Christ. This is our season of the demonstration of the spirit and of the power of God in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, bless three people around you. Say, this is your season. This is your season of the demonstration of the spirit and the power of God. Two more to go. The last person, this is your season of the demonstration of the Spirit and of the power of God. Well, for yourself, this is my season of the demonstration of the Spirit and of the power of God in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, cherub brethren, remember Jesus reigns in Nigeria.